What's up, guys? Uh, you guys have your Bibles? Come on. Hey, guys, uh, go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's right after Romans. Whew. No wreck this morning, huh? You guys miss it? Some of you guys are like, no. Cool. Hey, um, before we start, a couple things. I, um, I hope you guys know that as we talk about, this is our seminar on sexual purity, all right? So if you guys didn't know that, that's what you are getting yourselves into today. Uh, before we talk about kind of what we're talking about today, um, first thing is this. This is not my opinion. Um, this is not uh, just another opinion so that you guys could live a better life. Um, this is not good advice. This is not, um, this is not just self-help. This is the word of God. And this is something God has commanded us to do. When we say, when he says be pure, he says flee from sexual immorality, he's saying that as a command. Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, but we know that God is commanding it through Paul to us so that we can heed what he's saying. And so I think the, the problem is, is that as Christians, some of us think that, man, we can, we can test the Lord a little bit. Because we have been forgiven and saved by grace, therefore God's going to forgive everything that I ever do, and therefore I get to live in this kind of free way. And Paul's actually addressing that in this chapter, and he's saying, sin destroys you. Sin is not just something that God doesn't want us to do. That's, that, if that was the only thing that we... You know, that's all we would need, essentially, to not sin, right? Because God doesn't want us to do it. Therefore, God is king. He's Lord. He's creator. Therefore, I'm going to obey him. That's not it. Sin not only is something that God hates and does not want us to do, but sin is something that destroys us. It affects our lives. It affects our bodies. And if anything, as we read this chapter, we recognize sexual sin is unique in the sense that it affects us more than other sins. And Paul talks about that. He says, every other sin, right here, we can read it, verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Right there we see that sin has this consequence, this natural consequence. It destroys us. And in that instance, Paul's, obviously there's context here. During the day, Paul, when he's writing the Corinthians, within the, the church of the Corinthians, there was, there was sexual diseases that were being transmitted because there was just rampant sexual activity amongst these people. And so Paul is hitting it head on and he's saying, flee from these things. Because not only is there spiritual consequences he's talking about right here there are natural consequences for your sin and he's saying man the things that you guys are experiencing these sexual diseases that you guys are experiencing this pain all this stuff is actually happening right now and i'm telling you right now that's a result of sin because if you guys weren't doing these things would these things be happening no they wouldn't 
But for us today, with all of our advances in medical stuff and all of our medications that we take and all the things that we can avoid, what does it mean for us when it says, man, sin, this specific sin, is a sin against our own body? When we talk about it, when we talk about sin, we talk about all these things. Before that, in the verses before, it says, how can you be a member of a prostitute? What he's saying there in that moment is he's saying, the moment you are sexually intimate with somebody, you are linked with them. And so in a way, not only there's spiritual consequences for your sexual sin, there are bodily and mental consequences for it. And so for those of us that are addicted to pornography, those of us that have struggles with our boyfriends and with our girlfriends and we're sexually intimate with them, can I just tell you, there are consequences for that kind of thing and the Bible talks about it. And in love, as I'm trying to communicate this to you, I want you guys to be pure, not for the sake of being pure, but for the sake of knowing God more and not experiencing these, the consequences of these sins. Over the course of the last 20 years, the statistics of students, or not students, but young people, teenagers, young adults struggling with an addiction to pornography has skyrocketed. And so in a way, I mean, it's gone from 65, 60%, all the way up to 80% of young men. And then the statistic for young women is climbing as well. It's going up that are struggling with addiction to pornography is about 80%. 80% of young men struggle with an addiction to pornography. And when you look at the statistics within the church, that statistic doesn't really drop very much. It, it stays about at the same place. Maybe it drops a few percentage points, but not, not a whole lot. So we ask ourselves the question, it feels like I mean, we're losing this battle pretty bad. And there's no question and no mystery behind that because we're surrounded by it. You think pornography is only in the things that you search behind closed doors on an incognito tab in Savari. You think that's the only thing. That's the only thing that we would deem as pornography, but it surrounds us. You see it on Instagram, TikTok. You see it in our movies, in our culture. You see it all around us. And many of these things are triggers for us. Especially, I'm talking to you, a lot, of, a lot of this is directed towards these young men in this room. A lot of it's triggers for us. We see one thing on Instagram, and we're scrolling for hours, and something pops up. We're doing good. And then all of a sudden, something pops up. Then we're falling down the rabbit hole. Then we have six bad days and the cycle just perpetuates itself over and over and over again. And I've been there. I know this. I know. I struggled with the same thing in high school. And he used the word struggle. And really what it was is just I just wanted to do it and I did it. And it was rebellion against God. And I recognized that I was rebelling against God, but I did it anyway. And I felt the effects of that sin take a hold of my life 
I dated somebody for six years as well. When I was 15, we started dating all the way up till I was 21 years old. And I was dating this person. We were falling into sexual sin because when you date somebody for six years in high school, there's just no way you're not going to fall into those things and you're not going to choose to do those things. I keep using the word fall into, but better, better language is that I chose to do those things. And I chose to sin with this person and it began to just take apart my life. I really struggled, and it wasn't just the struggle sexually, mentally, emotionally, it affected me. And I was a worship leader at the time, I was leading worship for our church, and I was on stage, and it just was this, this shame and this guilt was just following me everywhere I went. And it got to the point where I knew, as I was reading scripture, I knew that I was, supposed, I was not supposed to be with this person. Why? Because I didn't want to be with this person. There wasn't just sexual sin in there. There was other sins. There was bitterness and envy and jealousy and all this stuff that just wasn't, it wasn't working. And I didn't really want to be with this person. Ultimately, I was 21. I didn't want to, I didn't see a marriage with this person. I really just didn't want to be with them. And so I ended up feeling the need to break up with this person because I was so convicted. And I did. And I experienced freedom in my own life for the first time in six years. Why? Because it talks about it in the Bible. It talks about, man, if you're obedient to God, in John 14, it talks about this. It says, the ones who love me are the ones that obey me, and the ones that obey me, I will manifest myself to them. So there's this greater relationship that you could be having with Jesus Christ. There's this greater relationship that you could be having with God, but what's preventing you from doing that is actually sin, and so you, at a certain point, you've got to ask yourself the question, intimacy with God or this thing that I keep running to? And what you begin to recognize when you plunder those things enough is you recognize this thing just zaps you and it steals from you and it affects you not only spiritually but physically. And so when I recognized that this was an empty, this was a dead-end road, that if I continued in this, there would be a point of no return, that I would continue to be addicted to pornography, that I would continue to fall into sin with this person, that I would continue to be bitter and depressed and anxious and all these things that are affecting me. And, we don't, and I didn't recognize that it was this relationship that was kind of controlling me at the time and preventing me from a good, satisfying relationship with the Lord. And usually the obedient decision is the hard one. And it was a hard decision to make. But I ended up breaking up with this person after six years. And a six-year relationship breakup is not a pretty thing. But I'm telling you, it was a good thing. And looking back on it, it, it you know, I feel I'm married now. I met my wife not that long after and I saw what an actually God-centered relationship could be. And I saw, man, the, the, the joy and the satisfaction of actually pursuing this person and pursuing them, not just as boyfriend and girlfriend, and not acting as if we were married before we were married, but just having fun, taking them on dates, taking her on dates, and then eventually popping the question and then getting married, recognizing that the way that dating is supposed to work is just supposed to be pursuing this person as the man. 
And you're not supposed to be spending every waking hour with this person. You're not supposed to be sharing your entire life story in the first four dates, but actually having this, this separation and this, this ability to just go home at the end of the day and say, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And feeling the freedom to not act like we were married before we were. And many of us, when we're in relationships, we act like we're married, not just sexually. And I know we focus on that stuff. Like, man, you're, you're sexually intimate. you got to stop doing these things. Not just sexually, but we're intimate in other ways. And, and, and we're having all these deep conversations. And every single time we hang out, there's this, there's this hurt and this pain that gets brought up. And then you're, you're interacted emotionally. And there's all this connection that happens. And then you're dealing with these issues that you shouldn't be dealing with when you're dating and you're 17 years old. I'm not telling you from a place on a stage to stop dating people. But what I am saying is that for many of us, when we fall into sexual sin, it's because we got to change the way that we see dating. Dating shouldn't be a time for you to feel close to somebody. Because ultimately, that'll lead to, to places in which you'll feel guilt and shame as a believer and you'll feel that you're compromising. Dating is supposed to, get, you're supposed to just be getting to know the person. And you're supposed to be having fun. At, and ultimately, in the Bible, you don't see boyfriend, girlfriend. You see friend, and then you see married. And obviously, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that like you can't have boyfriends and girlfriends. I know in this culture, it's not, it's not what the Bible talks about when we're saying, like, don't do these things. But it's like a matter of wisdom. Man, do you really need to be in a relationship right now? Ask yourself that question. And is your person that you're dating actually pursuing the Lord? Because that's way more important. And you might say, man, every once in a while, we'll pursue the Lord together. But you've got to ask yourself the question, man, the most important thing isn't that we're pursuing even the Lord together yet. The most important thing is that I, myself, as a single person, because technically you're still single, am I pursuing the Lord? And if so, then I can lead the person I'm dating and I can pursue them in a pure and in a godly way. When we talk about this, and it says flee from sexual immorality, Sexual purity is a matter of two things. It's a matter of heart and it's a matter of wisdom. And when we're talking about flee from sexual immorality, right there he's talking about wisdom. I mean, he's saying, man, spending all this time on your phone, the average American teenager spends nine hours a day on their phone. That's the average, okay? And so spending nine hours a day on your phone when we see flee, sexual, flee from sexual immorality, what Paul is asking us to do is he's not just saying manage it. He's not just saying get as close to the line with your boyfriend or girlfriend as possible because you know where the line is. Oh, I'm not going to cross this line, so I'm going to get real close. That's not what he's saying. He's saying get as far away from the line as freaking possible. Why? Because we're way too weak to actually be able to entertain the thought of sinning. We're way too weak. I'm way too weak 
There needs to be boundaries set in place. And when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about these things. We're talking about fleeing from sexual sin. We're talking about, man, if, you, if we're spending nine hours a day on our phone, obviously you're scrolling, something's going to happen in those nine hours. And I know some of you guys are like, I'm not spending that much time. But regardless... I mean, we got to be asking ourselves the question, can I have an Instagram? Can I have a TikTok? Can I have an iPhone? Can this, is this stuff actually conducive to me actually living for the Lord? Or is it not? Same thing when you're in a relationship. Purity culture will try and tell you, don't date. But what I'm trying to tell you right now is, is it wise for you to date? Is it wise for you to be dating somebody? Your sexual purity is worth it, and you waiting is worth it, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. But before we do, we'll hop into some other things. Or do you not know, verse 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. In the book of Ephesians, Chapter 4 talks about our sin grieving the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about sin, we're going to talk about it tonight. Sin is an offense to a holy God. God is so holy, righteous, and good that anything that we do is an offense to him. He hates our sin. He hates it so much. And as a believer, as somebody who's renewed and who, who, who knows the Lord, who has surrendered their lives to the Lord, we are to hate it just as much. And we can't hate it just as much, but we're actually to try and remove ourselves as far away from our sin as possible. And there's a reason for that. It's not just hating our sin for the sake of hating our sin. It's not just being pure for the sake of being pure. is isn't purity culture to try and tell you these are the five things you got to do. You got to not date. You got to not do these things. You got to not do these things for the sake of just being pure. You want to know what purity is? We know what sexual morality is in the Bible, and I, can I just tell you real quick? It's, we have a definition for it. It's sexual intimacy outside of a marriage between a man and a woman, whether it be through the mind or through the body. It's sexual intimacy, whether through the mind or through the body, that's with anybody that's not your husband or your wife. And that's not just what Paul's talking about. That is what the Old Testament talks about. And when Paul brings it up, when Jesus brings it up, when we talk about it in John 8, and we're talking about that tonight, the woman caught in adultery, when Paul talks about sexual morality and saying there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual morality among you as it's improper for the saints, he's talking about the same thing that the Old Testament talked about. Throughout the Bible, we have a definition for it. It's not based on context. He's not just talking about the Corinthians. This is what I define sexual morality as for you, and it's, for, it's different for different cultures. This is throughout the Bible. And so we have to understand this is not my opinion this is what the word of God says. So sexual intimacy, whether through the mind or through the body, with anybody that is not your husband or your wife. So when we're watching pornography, believe it or not, you are engaging in sexual intimacy with somebody that you don't even know. And in the same way, when it says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. 
what is Paul trying to remind them of? He is trying to remind them of the fact that they are saved and that Jesus Christ in his love reached out and saved us. And that Jesus Christ atoned for every single sin that we have ever committed. And that for those of us who believe in him, recognize Christ died for us. So what he's trying to do and remind us is the fact that God loves you. And that he demands that you love him back if you call yourself a believer. I mean, if you love him, he's not going to force you, but he's saying these are the things that show me that you love me. In John 14, if you love me, you obey me. So like I said earlier, sexual purity is a matter of the matter of wisdom, like we were just talking about, and it's a matter of the heart. Why are we to be pure? Soren Kierkegaard, he's like this philosopher, Christian, theologian guy, and he writes, purity is to will one thing, and that thing is Christ. It's to desire and to follow after one thing, and that is Christ. So purity is not about not doing stuff. It's actually about knowing who the Lord is. And it's about getting to know him on a deeper level. And for the Christian, there's nothing greater than knowing the Lord. There's nothing greater than diving into intimacy with God. And like I said, when I was in this relationship and when I broke up with this person, and I began to actually experience intimacy with Christ, when I actually began to read the Bible, not just for the sake of knowing the Bible, for the sake of knowing God more, and as I actually began to trans, I, got to, I, be, I became transformed. I began to actually desire him more than anything else. Why? Because I found so much more satisfaction in knowing God than I did in the things of the world. All this stuff is so fleeting. It's here but a moment the sexual pleasure that we experience in our day-to-day lives is but a moment. And you guys know what ends up happening right after that moment. It's despair, it's anguish, it's regret. All these things flood our minds, especially for the Christian. And we entertain it time and time again, despite knowing that it's offense before a holy God, despite knowing that Christ died for the sin. And we continue to pursue those things. And we t- we, we continue to play in the mud instead of actually walking with the Lord. There is nothing more satisfying, satisfying this side of eternity than living in a way that glorifies God. Why? Because it's what we're made for. We're made to have communion with God. Why do you feel close to God up here at Hume Lake every single year? It's because you're walking with him in the word of God. It's because you're worshiping him day and night. It's because you're spending time with people that believe in the same things. Where is your heart at? At the end of the day, purity is more than just Like I said, do's and don'ts. But it absolutely requires that we do some things and don't do other things. 
There's nothing more satisfying than loving the Lord and recognizing that he loves you and that you can have a greater level of intimacy all throughout the Bible in the New Testament. Paul, Jesus talks about this. My sheep hear my voice. And there's nothing better than hearing the Lord's voice as you read scripture. As you're in the word of God. There's nothing better than reading this and being convicted at the same time reminded in Romans that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Reminded that you can be thankful the fact that God has forgiven every sin that you've ever committed. And reminded, man, as you walk with the Lord, the more and more aware of your sin you are. And at the same time, the more and more you recognize God loves you for saving you and pulling you out. Guys, go ahead, turn to Psalms 119. This only just kind of supports what I was talking about. Verse 9. Give me a thumbs up when you guys are there. Sick. Okay, verse 9. Here's what it says. How can a young man or woman keep his or her way pure? How can a young man keep his way pure? He answers the question. He says, by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, a lot of us profess to love the Lord. We profess to love God. God, I love you. And if we love him, then we would love what? His word. We would love his commandments. We would see them as precious. Why? Because it's through that in which we know the Lord more. It's through that channel in which we get to know God more. With my whole heart, I seek you. There's no chance in which we can live a pure life without our whole heart seeking the Lord. So you've got to ask yourself the question before you ask anything else. Man, do you love God? Do you, do you want to know him more? And as a result, do you store up your, his commandments in your heart? The only way you can do that is by spending time in the word of God daily. I told this to the last group. But every time we wake up in the morning, we wake up. Brush our teeth, hopefully. <laughs> and we, uh, we head to school, right? And as a Christian, we have this idea that our Christian faith is passive. That it's all just passive. That, that I don't have to do anything. That God knows me. I know him. He's with me. Um, and then something happens. A problem, you know, crap hits the fan. Whatever it might be. And then you feel, well, where is God? And it's just the cycle of recognizing and not really recognizing that the Christian faith is not passive. God has placed within you his Holy Spirit. And the way that the Holy Spirit works is by working in you and in your actions. And so if you're just, mo if you're just walking through life, letting life happen to you, can I just tell you, you need to be reminded of the fact 
And you need to be reminded to renew your mind daily. When you wake up in the morning, your heart is not aligned with the Lord. Your mind is not aligned with the Lord. And so what you need to do is when you wake up in the morning is you need to, when in Romans 12, when it talks about renew your mind, that, needs to, that doesn't just happen when you're saved. That needs to happen every single day. It's a daily battle. It's daily. So that the moments in which you are tempted, you can remember in the morning that your mind has been renewed and that you don't need to fall into those things. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms 34. Man, if we actually had a taste of who God was, we would never entertain the thought of falling into sexual sin. We can know that sexual sin damages us mentally and physically. We can know that it offends God. We can know all these things that affects our relationships and damages our relationships. And then ultimately, man, Lord willing, m- many of you guys are going to be husbands and wives one day. Your sins that you commit now will affect you later when you're married. And we can know all these things and try and have as much wisdom as we possibly can and try to, try to get rid of our iPhones, get a flip phone, try to, try to delete Instagram, TikTok. Those all things for many of us need to happen. We can remember all those things, but if we forget the fact that the reason we are to remain pure is because of one thing and one thing only, it's because of intimacy with Christ. If we forget that, if we don't love God, enough to pursue him, then there's no shot for us to actually fight our sin and kill it. There's this famous quote, John Owens, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Well, the only way we can be killing our sin is by playing offense, not just defense. You can't just play defense. You can't just remove all the temptation from your life and then therefore you're not gonna sin you got to do that. you got to put the flesh to death. Make no provision for the flesh. But at the same time, you need to play offense. You need to ask yourself, do I love the Lord? Actively, am I pursuing him more than the things of this world? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just trust me when I tell you that. Taste and see for yourselves. And you will begin to recognize, man, as you head down the hill, your life could actually look more like it is up here than you realized. You cannot live the Christian life by constantly spending time on your phone, by constantly having all of your attention diverted in all these different ways and still just try to fit God in a little box when you're home. That's just a recipe for failure. Look at what's happening up here. Recognize that you've been removed from your phone, that you've been spending time with your brothers and sisters that believe in the same thing, that you've been spending time every single day in the word of God. Recognize that your life actually should look a little bit more like it does at camp. And then when you recognize that, When you simplify, strip some of those distractions away because it's wisdom, because you recognize, man, I can't live a life for God if I'm just like surrounded and inundated by all these things. I got sports, I got school, I got phone time, I've got boyfriend, girlfriend, I got my friends. And then you fit God before you go to bed at night and you're too tired, you fall asleep anyway. 
That's just a recipe for, 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 for not pursuing the Lord. It's a recipe for, for feeling distant from him. There's no mystery why you feel distant when you're not up here at camp. It's because when you're up here at camp, your life is supposed to look that way. You're supposed to be in his word. It's what you're made for, to glorify God. You're supposed to be worshiping him. So something's got to change as you head down the hill. You've got to actually make a choice, a conscious effort to simplify, to remove these distractions so that you wouldn't fall into sexual sin, so that you wouldn't fall into other sins, so that you could spend more time with the Lord. Let me pray for us. I'm going to pray that... And that you guys have awesome discussions after this. You guys will head into cabin time discussions. Not cabin time, breakout sessions. And then after that, you guys will have lunch. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we're just thankful for your word. And I pray for those that don't know you in this room, those that don't care, that deal and recognize that they do things that they're not supposed to, but they don't, just don't really care. They're, they feel no conviction, no conviction to change or follow you. God, I pray that you would soften their heart. And then for those that even believe that they might be Christians, that they still just don't care about the things that they do. God, would you show them that they need to repent and call upon the name of the Lord to be saved? And that in that, they would be transformed. Because living a life for you, being a Christian, is not about praying a prayer, but it's about their lives being transformed. So God, I pray that the evidence in these students' lives would be clear. That they would see real fruit in their life of following after you. And that they would not be tempted by the world and by their friends. And God, that the opinions of their friends and their peers would not matter in light of yours. We love you, God. And we need you. Every single day. Not just at camp. Challenge us. Make us new. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.